You're listening to Why We Do What We Do. All right, welcome to Why We Do What We Do. I'm your host, Abraham. And I am your co-host, Shane. No, you're not. That's not who you are. <laughs> Wait, what? What, what have I been doing? What have I been doing all this time? Why are you, why are you so dramatic all the time? <laughs> uh, I'm just asking a question. You're wrong about everything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I... All right, I guess I am. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm your... I'm just co-recording? <laughs> all right, so... Quick PSA, this episode is going to contain descriptions of sexual and emotional abuse, so if this is tough for you to hear, this may be one that you want to sit out. We obviously try and keep the delivery of the content pretty PG, so don't expect any of that, just that there are some descriptions of heavy stuff. I was definitely just gaslighting Shane, and of course, that means that that's what we are talking about today, is gaslighting. Yeah, and so, uh, you know, obviously that was kind of like a poke at how this might happen, or maybe how you might see this happen sometimes, where you just start feeling like you're losing your mind, even though, like, you know the truth. Like, I know I've been a co- I've been on more episodes than most people, so I know that I'm a co-host, but Abraham made <laughs> me feel a little bit unsure of myself. So, I mean, maybe I'm a co-host, I don't know. Now I'm questioning it. Now I'm like, what is my see? official title? I've, I've had that moment. This is. <laughs> it it's so, worked so, it's so well. fast. It happened so quickly. I'm, I'm, I am appalled at how quickly that's now, you know, obviously we're making light of it, but it is something that's very serious. So like, as we get into it, we are going to talk about the seriousness of this. We tend to be folks that have a little bit of a dark sense of humor about stuff. So, you know, sometimes we have to laugh to keep from crying and that's maybe where that comes from, but we are going to talk about the seriousness and we are going to talk about how incredibly important it is to know what it is to prevent it so that you can see those signs and and really prevent any sort of abuse that's going to come as a result of it. Right. So we'll talk about why people gaslight, why it works, and what to do about it. Some of the signs that you might see to let you know that you're being gaslit. And we'll also talk about whether people who are gaslighting know that they're doing it, because I think sometimes there is the effect happens, which ties into the reason that it it happens and why it works without you necessarily having bad intentions, I suppose. And there is this poem that I found that is meant to be kind of a dialogue, but we have the advantage of having two of us, so we can actually treat it like a dialogue. Yes. I'll begin and just play my corresponding person, if you will. I can do that. I didn't hit you. That was a spank. You hit me. It was barely a slap. You hit me. You're crazy. You hit me. Okay, I'm sorry for my part in it. You hit me. You're always so dramatic. You hit me. Don't be ridiculous. You hit me can't believe you are my daughter. I don't want to suffer any longer. That's exactly the way I feel about you. You're going to end up alone. Good. And scene. Reading this, it definitely, I had the feels, you know? Yeah. And I feel like enacting it made it even more relatable. Yeah, for sure. And so this is from Kelly Forden's novel and stories, Garden for the Blind. It's a poem that was in that. This got republished in a peer-reviewed journal that I found. and. I think it it sort of highlights the effect you hear, see, that we're talking about. Let's go ahead and get into what gaslighting actually is. And at at its core, gaslighting is a form of emotional abuse. And we're not going to try to sugarcoat that or turn that into anything else. We're not even going to provide additional evidence to say anything to the contrary. Ultimately, gaslighting, what it is, is a form of emotional abuse. Right. And as we've already set up with that poem, with the skit at the beginning, when I was gaslighting Shane, This is when one person manipulates another person 
into questioning their sense of reality, trying to essentially make them believe something other than what happened or what's happening. Yeah. And so, you know, we wanted to cover this because it had come up a lot during October, which was National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And so if you are interested in learning more about that or want to support causes that fight domestic abuse or domestic violence, you can check out the hotline.org. And there are some resources there that you can check out. But we're going to try to link some other resources here as well. And I do think that this term has become more and more popular. We'll actually speak to that. But this effect, this gaslighting thing, is this is particularly horrific and insidious because of the far-reaching implications. Because once you've put someone in the defense of their own sanity, then they immediately look insane. Once you put someone in the defense of their own experiences, then they immediately look defensive. And even worse, when you then accuse the victim of doing things that they didn't do, and then they try to defend themselves, then the victim looks like the aggressor. It would be like, If I was screaming at Shane that he is a thief and a crazy liar who's trying to steal my car while I'm stealing his car, it's understandable that this would be very confusing to a viewing public who's easily manipulated or at the very least lacks context to understand what's really going on. Right. Absolutely. It becomes this unique loop where, especially if there are not enough folks that are being like being able to be an eyewitness to the, the event or the context or without that context, it becomes this really nefarious thing. And it's really easy not only to turn the person in on themselves or against themselves, but also to turn people who know them against them too. Like there, it's, it's amazing how, like Abraham said, how far reaching this can be. Now, The American Dialect Society voted this the most useful word of 2016 and shocking that came out that year with all the stuff that was going on with American politics at the time. But that's not when the term was coined. The term came from a 1938 play that was turned into a film in 1944 called Gaslight. Yeah, this is so interesting to me. I always try and reason through the etymology of a term if it seems like I should be able to derive what it is. And gaslighting was one where. I was like, maybe it's like the light is kind of obscuring what's really happening because it's flickering. But no, it comes from a play. And in the play and in the movie, a man is trying to steal his wife's heirloom jewels. And so he tries to drive her insane so she'll be institutionalized and out of his way. And what he does is he he hides objects. He flirts with their maid. And while he is looking for the jewels in the attic, he flickers the gas-powered lights or the gas lights. In the play, it's accidentally. I think in the movie, it was on purpose. Yeah. And she asks him what's going on. He tells her that it's all in her head and even accuses her of stealing the objects that are lost. And she does eventually begin to question her own sanity. But she is ultimately saved when a police officer arrives at their house while the husband is in the attic searching for the jewels. And the officer confirms that he also sees the flickering lights. So the wife then has confirmation. She's not just imagining things. It's not just all in her head. But you can immediately see what was going on in this movie where the guy, the antagonist, if you will, is essentially trying to he's doing nefarious things and then trying to convince his wife that he's not doing things and that she's crazy. And he specifically tries to manipulate her by setting up situations that are that are kind of cruel. Like in the movie, I know she was like looking for a brooch that he had taken. And what he did is. Or no, she had put it in her purse and he took it out of her purse and she swore it was there. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I haven't seen it. 
And so, again, doing little things like that where she doesn't suspect him and is questioning herself. And you could imagine that being in a situation like that makes you feel like you are losing your mind. Yeah. Like, I have been in a situation where I have, like, even when you're like, I swore I did this. I swore I did this thing. And even if I didn't do it, having that thought of, like, I did it and holding those two thoughts together where it's like, I thought I did it. I know I did it. But I'm being told that the reality is different. That is highly distressing. Yeah. Right. I couldn't imagine. I mean, I can't imagine. I've been in certain situations where I'm like, oh, I don't like this. Now, its use as a verb came about in 1969. It's really started to get kind of pick up steam. And an anthropologist used it in a book on culture and personality to describe how one could be, quote, gaslit into psychosis. And in the 1970s, psychoanalysts began to use the term to describe this form of manipulation, probably in reference to penises. That was a lot of what was being referenced at the time. So many penises. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but then moving into the 1980s, in a book about sexual abuse, author Florida Lawrence Rush wrote about gaslighting to destroy a person's perception of reality. So it started kind of really gaining momentum over these few decades. And then in 1998, in a paper that was published, psychologists described psychologists, I don't remember who the authors were, but they described gaslighting that they had seen in their practices. This included men who cheated on their wives and then denied it even when they were faced with solid evidence. In one case, the wife picked up the phone and heard her husband's making plans for a tryst with his lover. And when she confronted him about it, he told her that she was just imagining everything and that he hadn't even been on the phone. And so it seemed like there is quite a bit of evidence that was stacking up and pretty obvious and difficult to refute. And, you know, in the scenarios that we've given, they've been mostly relationship based, but it's not just marital and it's not just relationships. So like a supervisor could deny leaving employees out of meetings. A friend can convince you that you misheard something hurtful that was said when you actually heard it. And in politics, we're in this weird post-truth era in which one person says the thing that you say, I said, I didn't say you're hysterical, you're crazy, you're biased and unfair. Even when there is video evidence of that person saying that thing and saying it in a very clear context, saying it in a way that you can cannot be interpreted any other way then you have groups of people that are like oh he didn't mean it like that he didn't say it like that that's just how he talks it's just locker room talk it's all these additional justifications and all this stuff right so it's very strange to watch in, in the public eye and especially in like current american politics yeah very much so now like other forms of abuse gaslighting can cause the victim to feel depressed unconfident in themselves to feel unsure of what is real also like other forms of abuse the pervasiveness of these effects can be extremely enduring and far-reaching across the experiences that one has in life. So it's not just a like someone gets tricked into thinking this way and then they realize that they're right or that they were right all along and then they get over it. It's like this can go on and permeate a lot of your experiences. It is not done. Once that relationship is over, like there are those really long lasting effects. It's really, really problematic, more problematic than I think people realize. Yeah. All right. So. We've described, I think, fairly thoroughly what it is. And so let's talk about why this happens. Why does one person gaslight another person? And so, of course, we want to look at any peer-reviewed research that's out there. But, of course, you have to ask the question, how would you even do that? Right. So there's very little peer-reviewed research that exists. I'm trying to imagine what would you do is like you specifically set up a dynamic where you have two people who don't know what's going on, but one of them has like a directive to tell the other person that nothing they think is real. And then you are trying to then measure their sense of reality or some other effects on them. Like how would that ever be approved by an ethics board? 
Right. Like just the, the potential for harm is just way too great. I don't know that I'd want to be that scientist that has gone out and been like, I've made, I made all my research participants lose their minds. Right. I traumatize them forever. And the other thing is maybe you do a study where you just try and survey the incidences in which it's occurred, but then you've got to have people be able to admit that it happened because as, as we've said, the victim often won't even know that it's happening to them. And it would have to be after the fact. And then you're really relying just on their recall. And it's just, I mean, this is very difficult territory to try and get a lot of objective data on. It really is. So while we note that there is very little peer-reviewed research, in Linder et al. 2019, a study called A Student Should Have the Privilege of Being Just a Student, what we found was there was this really great quote that I thought was really important. We really thought this was important for the context. When a person uses power to make someone question or doubt that their experience is real, the person questioning their experience is experiencing gaslighting. Use this tactic to deflect attention away from oppression. The person being gaslit questions their own memory or sanity in the process. Uh, quote from Abramson. 2014. For example, people trying to maintain their good image or the comfort of a dominant space may attempt to manipulate a person who experiences oppression to minimize their experiences with oppression. End quote. That feels beyond relevant right now. Yeah. And also, I think that it was one of the most concise summaries of why this happens is that the, the person who's doing this, there's going to be a lot of reasons we'll get into, but one of them is they try and have this good image or they might, they're trying to maintain their dominance in this relationship. They're trying to minimize the fact that they're being oppressive. Like there's, there's all these things. And I, I just think that they said it really well. And so again, just with the research on this, there's really no way of knowing how often this happens, partially because it's so subtle, potentially because it's really subjective and it's pernicious. And also, the name is fairly recent, but the effect has likely been going on for about as long as we've had language and the motivation to use it to manipulate another person. And it can exist in many different spaces of relationships, as we've described above. It can exist in a political sphere. It can be in a business sphere. It can be in just a domestic sphere and probably everything in between, you know, from the global level to a, an interpersonal level you can have examples of the sort of thing going on. So it's, it's just very common. I, I mean, we don't know how common it is, but it's, it's something that can, that occurs a lot. With that being said, like, because we don't know how pervasive it is, there are some studies that kind of try to look at what might be going on in the mind of the gaslighter themselves. And so there are some you know, speculation and some maybe some educated guesses on this. But in 1981, a review in Psychoanalytic Quarterly suggested that the gaslighter was projecting conflicts or emotions such as anxiety onto other people. So essentially, why cheaters cheat? They feel less bad by believing that their partner has acted the same way. And from a maybe logic standpoint, that possibly makes sense. If this person is doing something wrong, then I don't feel bad that I'm doing something wrong to this person. That's essentially the logic they're trying to say. Yeah, two wrongs make a right. Right. <laughs> so another reason that one might try to use to explain what's going on here is that when you have people with psychological disorders, such as narcissism, antisocial personality disorder, or other sadistic tendencies, that might be one of the reasons that a psychologist might presume that they're, this person is engaging in gaslighting. Now, like other forms of abuse, recent hypotheses suggest that this is about control, that dominance that we were talking about earlier, and that it's power over another person. And this kind of manipulation can prevent the victim from questioning the, the abuser, further giving the abuser more power 
and more opportunities to successfully control their victim. So you get in this vicious cycle of if you can cause them to be questioning their reality, then you have an enormous amount of control over what you can do to that person and having them believe that it's either not happening or it's somehow their fault. Yep. So a 1994 paper in Psychoanalysis and Psychotherapy, which is a journal, the gaslighter in the study was trying to or is trying to regulate their emotions by controlling interactions with other people. So the more control they have in that situation, the more likely they have some kind of control or some kind of power over their own relation or their own emotions. Right. So I am essentially projecting onto this other person in order to make myself feel better and to control what I'm experiencing. But by undermining the victim's sense of what's going on, they were able to kind of figure out that control. They were able to get that control for that person. And by controlling their worldview and shaking their foundations of understanding of reality, they were able to essentially regulate their own emotions as a narcissist, as somebody who had that type of challenge. They were they had total emotional control over that situation, and that was helpful for them in kind of managing their own stuff. And to do this, the gaslighter might just forcefully express their opinion until the other person concedes. They might question the other person's memory. And one thing that we I don't remember if we've talked about on this show before, but is the effect that repetition, the more you hear something, the more you're likely to believe it, even when you know that it's not true. And and that'll come up later when we're talking about some politics. But this repetition of doing this, of this thing of questioning someone's memory, of forcefully expressing your opinion, of insisting that something is one particular way, it can cumulatively result in a lot of harm to that person, even when each individual instance doesn't necessarily feel like a big deal. You know, it's just those death by a thousand cuts sort of thing. And what you end up seeing happening is a, is a shift in the victim's behavior, right? So the victim actually becomes more apologetic toward the abuser over time, tries to become more obsequious, which further reinforces the abuser, which can both allow the abuser to justify their actions to actually essentially kind of signal that their actions are okay, that they've approved it and it's worked. And ultimately their actions are appreciated by the victim and they almost become addicted to the level of control that they enjoy. The abuser does, right? So, so now they've got all the situation, right? So they, so they have manipulated this person. The victim becomes more apologetic. They become more compliant. They become more basically bowing down to the abuser. And for the abuser, that signals that all of that is okay. And it just kind of snowballs and gets worse and worse and worse as it goes. Precisely. And we don't fully know why this happens or why it's so damaging, but there are a couple of lenses that we can bring to understanding gaslighting. First, we're not condoning this in any way, but trying to understand what's going on, looking from the perspective of the abuser. And as we mentioned, they may not know that they are being manipulative. This is not always malicious or intentional. For the abuser, there's a lot of things that could have happened. For one, they were likely to have observed similar behavior in their parents or other relationships that they were close to. Also, probably in popular media portrayals, for example, in TV shows. Also, successful experiences with sort of mild gaslighting. So they sort of are dipping their toe into the gaslighting game in which they gain the upper hand through what feels like a normal interaction to them will sort of gently but consistently cultivate a way of being that includes being manipulative in their general interactions. So there's some amount of experience with this and their contact and their experiences. And then there's some amount of success when they use this and they might not necessarily know that they're doing it right away. It's just they sort of, I guess, ramp up to it over time. That's, again, not to justify it, but that's something that might explain how somebody might get to that point. You know, the second part of this is in, in probably 
perhaps the most common, we would imagine, is that gaslighters know that they're being manipulative. They know what they're doing. There are some basic behavioral process that could be maintaining their abuse. So, for example, there might be a specific motivation to obtain some kind of outcome for the abuser. The abuser is looking to gain something. They're looking to get something. And so, with that specific outcome in mind, they use gaslighting techniques to be able to manipulate and to move through the space that they're in to be able to continue to either contact that power, contact that outcome, or to gain that outcome. That outcome might be tangible, such as some kind of riches. Like you'll see this in a play or a movie. Somebody's kind of sneaking around, lie, cheating, and stealing to get to the point where they have that that payout. The outcome might be intangible, such as being able to make all the decisions or to get what you want during interactions. Uh, just generally getting your way, right? So it could be any number of things that contribute to the, the abuser's behavior. So we're talking all about sort of why this happens, right? And we've talked about that first we had that there is some amount of having observed this happening, of generally getting experience with it, not really knowing that you're doing it. Then there is knowing that you're doing it and you are getting some kind of beneficial outcome of doing it. But then there's a third way, which is that there can be very specific motivation to avoid negative consequences for something that the abuser is doing. Examples of this include when a person is unfaithful to their partner and then they make their partner feel crazy or paranoid for suspecting them of infidelity. Or if the abuser is perverse or making demands of their partner that make their partner uncomfortable, such as some violent or uncomfortable sexual acts, gaslighting the victim can allow the abuser to get what they want and avoid repercussions for causing harm. Or for examples that are not marital relationships, a boss might gaslight subordinates to show favoritism toward others, to curry favor, or to avoid lawsuits. And then, of course, one of the ones we've sort of alluded to but haven't talked about much yet is in politics. Someone who is gaslighting, they can avoid losing support from their constituents, and they can continue to do flagrantly illegal things by accusing their opponents of being crazy or of doing the illegal things that the abuser, the gaslighter, is actually doing. And that one is pretty relevant, I think, in, in the modern times we're in. <laughs> when we get into the tactics that we're going to talk about, like some of the different ways that you might be able to tell that somebody is gaslighting, it's going to be really scary. You're going to see like some big red flags. and They're going to start shooting up and you're going to be like, oh, oh God, I've been gaslit. So let's talk about how to tell that some, that gaslighting is happening and what to do about it. Now, the first thing is to understand the tactics that are typically used. One of them is that the gaslighter, the abuser, will withhold, they will withhold certain things, right? They'll they'll refuse to listen to you. They'll claim to not understand you. There's a lot of different ways that this might manifest, but withholding is one of these tactics. Another one is countering. And this is one we've described where it's questioning your memory, often of a particular event, or in other ways, just sort of contradicting you. There's also blocking or diverting, which is which means it's changing the subject or questions you're thinking. It's not really attending to the subject specifically, but it's moving on from that. Of course, one that has come up before, but one that I think is particularly relevant is trivializing. And this is making the victim feel as if their experience is invalid or not a very big deal or really not a cause of concern. Right. And then finally, there's forgetting or denial, which is when the abuser will claim to have forgotten about some event or deny that the event ever happened altogether, which goes into questioning memory and, and, and really kind of creating that like that false narrative around something that actually did happen. I definitely reading through this list had the experience of, yeah, I feel like I've I've been on the receiving end of that one. Yeah, I've been on the receiving end of that one. And yeah, just yeah, it sucks. So some things to look out for. If you maybe are being gaslit by someone is if you find that you're starting to frequently question yourself, question your sanity, question your memory of things, 
that's a potential sign that you're being gaslit. I mean, you you might just need to seek a therapist, probably either way, honestly, but it also could be a sign that you are being gaslit. Yeah, you might also start making excuses for the gaslighter. And you see this a lot where folks will make excuses for the abuser. You see this in domestic violence cases all the time where it's, well, he's my husband. I love him. He had a hard day or whatever that situation might be. You see that happen a lot. And in when you start finding yourself making excuses for that gaslighter, it's probably time to really start evaluating what might be actually going on. Perfect. So some other signs of being able to tell if someone is doing gaslighting I found this in the Psychology Today article by author Dr. Stephanie Sarkis, and she's written a bunch of articles on topics related to this one, and she wrote about 11 indicators of gaslighting. And so the first two are blatant lying. This one's interesting because this works even when you know it's a lie, and it's because this allows the person who's lying to start to be able to say anything, and you then you don't know whether what they say is true or false. And so it's like, even if they're lying but sometimes they're telling the truth, then everything they say starts to just be, you don't know. And, and so you, you are probably going to err on the side of like, maybe there's some amount of truth to this. I don't know. And the second one is if the abuser is denying having said something, even when there is proof, even if you have video evidence of them having said something, they'll just deny that they ever said it. Right. Standing in front of a crowd of people saying something and then saying they didn't say it. Yep. Like, exactly. Almost like it's some kind of rally. The third thing they look at is using valuable things in your life as ammunition, like telling you you don't deserve those things because you're wrong, telling you that you'll never amount to anything, really kind of taking the approach of like, you have these things, but you haven't deserved these things because of the person you are, the kind of person you are. The fourth one is wearing you down over time, kind of like a frog in the hot water in the boiling water scenario. Like it's kind of like over time, it's happening so much and you're getting just so used to it that you don't even realize it's happened for such a long time. I mean, this can happen over decades, not necessarily over like a year or two or a couple months. This can happen for years and years and years. And before you know it, the abuser is eating your legs. Just kidding. <laughs> it's a weird time. The fifth one is intermittent and uncharacteristic kindness from the abuser. And this creates the effect of making you trust them. And again, just continues to blur the lines of reality because like, sometimes they're nice. I mean, usually they're abusive, but you have these moments of just sincerity, vulnerability, and kindness. And if you notice that you have these patterns of, of that going on, that's an indication of gaslighting. And another one is doing just very confusing, inconsistent things. Like you never really know what that person's going to do. They're just unpredictable and just sometimes just do things. And you're just like, I, Okay, I guess that's the thing that they do, which actually comes back to this making excuses for them. Right. Absolutely. Another one, too, is projecting their own flaws on you. So like when, you know, somebody is maybe angry or they are somebody who talks negatively and they start throwing that saying like, oh, you talk like this. This is actually you. You think I do this, but it's you. It might be something along those lines. They also align people against you and they actually like create alliances with people that they don't normally have alliances with and, and kind of create this pattern where all of a sudden it's everybody against you and you're very isolated because you've you've done these things to other folks this is how i discovered that my ex-stepdad was a gaslighter oh really yeah yeah so like the real thing that happened it's messed up Oof, it's awful last two is number nine telling you you're crazy for thinking these things and we've mentioned that one before and then the other one is telling you that other people are lying or they're trying to manip manipulate you so they're essentially telling you that you're wrong and then telling you that other people around you are just trying to lie to you and manipulate you and so you can see how insidious this is like this spreads out 
it's like every angle that you might have to get an advantage or like an understanding that of what's going on, they've got it covered because everybody who could support you is against you that, you know, they're, they're the ones that are like sometimes trying to support you. And it's just, it's just a really intense and comprehensive way of manipulating someone. It's, it's really sad. Ultimately, when we went over all those things, you've probably seen every one of those indicators from a certain political figure in the United States on the news who is currently writing in all caps on his Twitter. <laughs> I think, I mean, very clearly, this is the behavior of dictators. This is the behavior of tyrannical leaders. And this is the behavior of abusive partners. You know, th- this is when you have these almost sociopathic abusers that these things happen and we see them and it makes you sad when you see this happening to people and you realize like you are being gaslit by a monster, you know, and that person probably the abuser probably knows that they're a monster and is, and is doing this, but it suits their ends. You know, the ends justify the means to them. Right. Anyway, it, it was very striking hearing that and how often we see this happen, even when it's not directly happening to us, but it's happening to other people. So building on this theme of politics and how this is related or how gaslighting can, can exist in that space, there was an article by Matthias in New Love in 2017 called The Illusion of Freedom, Tyranny, Whiteness, and the State of the U.S. Society in the journal Equity and Excellence in Education. And this is, this is kind of a long quote, but this is from part of the abstract of that article. And I think that they said this extremely well in a way that, that landed really well for me, and I'm hoping will for others as well. So they say, quote, despite boasting its self-characterization as the land of the free, U.S. American, quote unquote, freedom is at times tainted with historical amnesia, hypocrisy, and inhumanity. And then they go on to say that they'll examine the sociopolitical climate by drawing from de Tocqueville's 2003 prediction that American democracy is a tyranny of the majority. So I'll end up the quote of this abstract and they say, quote, because tyranny relies on gaslighting and dismissing facts, no definitive portrait of freedom is made. Therefore, the tyrannized wonder whether they are truly living within freedom or instead in collective submission to its illusion, end quote. Oof. I know, right? It's just this, a very relevant description of what happens when you have a dictator, a tyrannical leader gaslighting its constituents. Now that we've kind of spent the entire episode kind of dooming and glooming everything and making you wonder whether or not you've been gaslit, we're going to talk about some ways that you can prevent it and maybe get out of it if you're in a situation that that is occurring. So this section is going to be called what you can do to get out of this. Now, the first one is to identify that there is actually a problem. Sometimes that's the most difficult part. But once you can identify that there is a problem, there's always a forward momentum or a forward movement towards a solution. Another one is giving yourself permission to feel your feelings and validate your own experiences. So you are trying to essentially take back your own, I guess, confidence in your your own sanity and your understanding of things. The third thing is you have to kind of prepare yourself to make the sacrifice that your relationship with the gaslighter will be over. You know, at the end of the day, if you're identifying that there is a problem and that you feel like you're being gaslit, then there is that that possibility that that person will continue to do what they're doing and you have to be able to be okay with cutting them off. Now, to get started on all of this, what you need to do is make small decisions and follow them with actions. Don't get into arguments that are power struggles. You know, make some commitment to something you're going to do and then follow through on it. And just it's sort of the reverse effect where the gaslighter sort of will build up 
that momentum, like you just need to build up momentum in the other direction where you are getting yourself out of that situation. Yep. You have to also have compassion for yourself. I think this happens a lot with victims where they blame themselves. They feel like it's their fault that it happened. They are hard on themselves. How could I have not addressed this? How could I have not have seen this? And it's really important to know that this can happen to literally anybody. I mean, to be fair, this has happened to quite a bit of the United States over the last couple of years. And so when you talk about having compassion for yourself, the idea is being kind to yourself so that you can work on a solution to get out. It's not your fault. Some of these people who are, are gaslighters or master manipulators are really good at what they do. And what they did was effective and it worked. And that doesn't mean that you are any less of a person or that it's really your fault. So be compassionate to yourself. Yes. And another one, and it sort of reminds me of going back to the play in the movie when a, a police officer shows up and can confirm some of these things is to find someone with whom you can double check and confirm reality. And essentially what we're saying here is I want to be careful that you're not just going to like a sort of yes man, someone who's just going to tell you that you're right no matter what, but someone that you really know that you can trust who's going to be able to tell you what is really going on because that way you can, you can feel like you're getting good, reliable information and if you go to someone who's just going to tell you that you're right all the time, then you're, it'll be just as hard for you to get to the bottom of what's happening. And finally, too, it's definitely worth looking at the idea of finding help or getting help from a professional. The reason being is that there are mental health conditions that are characterized by that come across due to gaslighting, things like paranoia, and it really can impact your relationships. So a mental health professional should be able to help you determine what's real, what's perceived, what languaging has occurred that's a real problem for you. Advocates will be able to help you be safe either way, even if you're still struggling with that or having a hard time with reality, the advocates will be there to be able to make sure that you are getting the help you need. Now, if you are being gaslit by a public figure, you may have to be prepared to acknowledge that you have been manipulated and cut yourself off from news about that person as much as possible. That has happened quite a bit over the last couple of years. And so you have to be kind of be able to take a step back and be like, okay, well, how can I confirm reality when I'm seeing these things with my own eyes? Alternative facts. Oh, worst term. There's no such thing <laughs> as alternative facts. Indeed. Anyway, hopefully we've given you some things to sort of think about in here. I think my major take home here is I have a few things probably, but the major one is that gaslighting is this effect of abusing someone emotionally abusing and, and controlling someone by making them feel unclear and unsure about things you're basically tricking them into being compliant to what you think and believe and say and the person sort of forces you into a position of allowing them to, to get away with things and you end up sort of defending them a lot of the time and thinking that what they're doing is okay and that's why it's so insidious is that it's this very comprehensive approach of abuse and it's hard to even recognize when it's happening because the recognition itself is built into the abuse. So it's just a terrible thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, ultimately, you know, a major take home point that I would really pin down here would be that there's not a lot of research on gaslighting in general because it's so difficult and so subtle and so complex to really look at i mean this takes years of subtlety years of practice years of languaging years of just wearing somebody down i mean there's there's a lot of stuff on the effects in terms of just the effects of abuse for a victim there is research out there about that but as far as it goes with gaslighting it's a fairly new concept that is still widely misunderstood in terms of the actual scientific literature. We know it exists. We know it's a phenomenon. We know we, we have some indicators of it, but we still don't really know a lot about it. 
Yeah, perfect. And then I do have, I guess, that there are things that can be done about this. And honestly, just having the information is one of the most powerful tools to begin with, because then you can look for the signs. You can start to have a strategy for how to deal with that situation. And I will say, if you might hear in some of the things that we're talking about that you have maybe been using gaslighting sometimes, and this is an opportunity to learn from this and change your behavior so that you are not using gaslighting because this is such a pernicious and awful thing to do to another person. Yep, absolutely. I couldn't agree with that more. And definitely don't take this as inspiration to start gaslighting somebody. Yeah. This is not a PSA to start. Yeah. This is not a jumping off point for you if you are an abuser. Yeah. This is a don't do this thing because it's bad. How to be a better person. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So I couldn't have said it better myself, Abraham. Perfect. Do you have anything else on gaslighting? Nothing off the top of my head that I could think of. Well, then I think we can recommend some things. Let's do it. Recommendations. All right, I'm going to start by recommending a brand new book that just came out, and it is about education. It is called Blind Spots by Kimberly Behrens, and I just recently got it, so I'm about I'm about to start digging into this book, but I was sort of perfectly aware of it. I pre-ordered it because it's sort of been out in the community. I think probably people who listen to this may have heard of this in some capacity. Anyway, at the time that we're recording this, it's only been out for about a week. I'm very excited about it. What little I have read of it so far was great, and I can 100% recommend this book even without having finished it, So, particularly because the author, I think, is really good. So that's my recommendation. I'm going to add it to my list. So I've been adding so many things to my list lately. It's crazy. (laughs) Nice. All right. So my recommendation is also reading, but it's a little bit different. It is a comic book called House of X slash Powers of X by an author named Jonathan Hickman. I believe I've talked about Jonathan Hickman before on here. I think that the way he writes certain comics is really great. Three of my favorites. Sounds familiar. Four of my favorites that he does. He does the Manhattan Projects. He does East of West, which is cool. He does a series called God is Dead, which is pretty aggressive, but it's basically man creates their own gods to fight the actual pantheon of gods that have come to take over the earth, which is kind of cool. Whoa. Yeah, it's pretty wild and incredibly graphic, so I would uh, maybe take a peek before you buy it. And also, he did Future Foundation, so he did a retelling of the Fantastic Four after Johnny Storm dies. Well, Powers of X and House of X is uh, kind of a, a the new storyline that has to do with the X-Men, and essentially, the X-Men are tired of being victims of genocide, victims of human race just kind of always hunting them, and they create their own island nation, and they seek sovereignty, and they take it by storm, and it's written really well. It's a very interesting premise and one that is it feels like a really interesting slippery slope. So it doesn't feel like even though the X-Men are the good guys, it doesn't feel like the what they're doing are, are for the good guys. Whoa, that's crazy. Yeah. Also, Professor X can walk in it. So that's interesting. <laughs> OK, I mean, I, I didn't really yeah. need him to be in a wheelchair, I suppose. So that's not his personality, but yeah, it's pretty cool to see him work with Magneto on stuff. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds like a really cool recommendation. I like it. Yeah, it's good stuff. All right. Well, if you are a gaslighter, uh, stop it. But if you are (laughs) on the uh, receiving end of it, you certainly should reach out to us. Let us know your story. We'd be happy to support you and share your story if you'd like and anything else. We definitely like hearing from anybody. If you have anything to say about the House of X, Powers of X or Blind Spots, we're definitely interested in hearing from you. If you have any recommendations you'd like to share, we'd be interested in hearing from you. So no matter what it is, please email us at info at 
www.wwdpodcast.com. You can also reach out to us on all of the social media platforms. We are now also on Reddit. So look for that link in the show notes here. And I think that's all I've got. You got anything else, Shane? I don't have anything else. I think that's good. All right. This is Abraham. And this is Shane. We are out. See ya. You've been listening to Why We Do What We Do. Why We Do What We Do is supported in part by our amazing patrons. Thank you. If you like what you heard, consider becoming a patron by heading to patreon.com slash podcast. You can also rate and review us wherever you get your podcast or share this episode with your friends. If you have any comments or questions, we'd love to hear from you. Find us at podcast on your favorite social media platforms. You can learn more about this and other episodes by going to www.dwwdpodcast.com. There, you'll find links as well as detailed and shareable show notes. Why We Do What We Do is researched and produced by Abraham, Ryan O, Shane, and Miranda. Artwork and logo design by Andrew Pollock at nogdesigns.com. Video and production assistance from Tyler Brassier with music courtesy of Justin Greenhouse. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have an awesome day.